This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, brought to you by Anything Is Possible, a digital media agency from the South Coast, big Brentford fans, and proud sponsors of this fine podcast. Uh, we are in that kind of no man's land between Christmas and New Year. Uh, we have a lot of fixtures still, well, one, <laughs> but it's a big fixture. Um, and so we've got plenty to talk about. We're going to talk about the Brighton game that happened on Boxing Day, which we probably don't really want to talk about. Um, and then Man City, who are probably or arguably there, the best team in the world at the moment. And we're playing them at, at nine. Uh, sorry, at 8.14 will be equals. Um, what happens after that, God only knows. But we're going to talk about that. I'm Dave Laney Lane. Um, I'm in the Duke of Sussex pub in Twickenham. Change of scenery. Um, and I'm with two good old chums. I'm with Matt the Allard Allard. Hello, Matt. Hello, yeah, hello, Lainey. I mean, it's, so, as I understand it, there hasn't been a, any post Brighton podcast no, yet, has I'll, there? So I'll, we I'll are going to have to talk about it, aren't we? I'll mention yeah. that. There was a, a te- not, a technically, not a technical glitch, there was a logistical glitch. But it's, but it's definitely lumbered at us with having to go through it. Yep, yep, we're going to talk about this. I can't even say, let, let the punters back in the stands talk about it. And I, I wish we could say back to the, back to the pub right. after the game because yeah. there was no pubs after the game. Um, and also with me today is Martin, the Dutchman Holland. How are you, the Dutchman? Well, thank you very much. Good to be here. I really am looking forward to see whether anything is possible this week. Because if we need an anything is possible, yeah. <laughs> Wednesday night is it? Yeah, we, we, we don't just need a kind of uh, a, like a, a theoretical we wish. We actually need magic, don't we, now? Proper, proper Harry magic. Hogwarts type stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. In the Christmas spirit, yeah, so I mean, you know, we will talk about it in a little bit of depth, but it's clear that we are struggling for injuries, we're struggling for players, um, and the last time you want to be playing Manchester City at all is when you haven't really got a team to be calling upon. So anyway, we'll see what happens on Wednesday night. We'll get to, we'll get to that, but um, let's let's head our let's head our head our asses back to Boxing Day. 
Um, a game that was always going to be difficult for people to get to, and so it proved. Uh, the, the, the Amex Stadium, almost called it the Withdean, the Amex Stadium was sparse. There was lots of blue seats, um, lots of excuses from, from Brighton fans. It obviously, obviously it wasn't easy for them to get to, um, but there's a lot of people that couldn't be asked and a lot of COVID, um, um, which were, you know, if it was a game you're going to miss, it was probably that one. It was antisocial, but it was antisocial for all of us. Yeah, I thought it was a decent Brentford turnout. Um, not not 3,000 that we normally take, um, but the, the game itself, it, it didn't didn't give us anything really to sing sing about. The first 15 minutes, I guess we're, we're okay. After that was was pretty dire fare, wasn't it? You know, I, I, we, we we struggled to get in on time in the end because of the the car park situation. Um, they were full up, um, and it was difficult. So we missed the kickoff. We missed the best bit of the game. Um, you two were probably better equipped to talk about the game than, than me because uh, I, I, I missed the best bit. You saw at least Brentford play okay. Yeah. The, the Allard, what did you make of it? Well, we played okay for 10 minutes maybe, um, and then it took, really turned into sort of school, you know, school ground football, um, playground football, sorry, not school ground, playground football is how I would describe it. It was essentially just people um, kicking it to random people, m mostly not on your team. Um, and it was sort of, it, it was it was frustrating to watch. Um, Brighton, for a bit, were as bad as we were at it, or as good as we were at it, if that makes sense. Um, but they gradually sort of found their way and, um, and took control of the game, really. And to be honest, from from sort of 15 minutes into the game, they they took control of that half, and although we created one or two chances, it, it, going in at two 0 down didn't feel that unreasonable. I don't think. Um, different, maybe a different story in the second half, but that was kind of where where I saw it. So, so Dutchie, what, what did you make of the game? I thought it was, it was quite an interesting game to watch, I thought, because as bad as we were, as, as the Allies said, they, I didn't think they were much better, and I never really thought we were out of it, particularly at 1-0 you know, down. Um, the second goal was, you know, made it slightly more difficult, but even in the second half, I felt if we could get a goal as badly as we were playing, you know, we, we were back in it, and I think that's the disappointing thing, that, again, we've lost to a, a team that didn't look particularly good. They did have two really good finishes, and they got some great players, and you know, the sort of players that... That, that we probably like or, or that we've got un, you know, unavailable to us at the moment but you know, we created chances to get in the second half which was good um, but the passing as, as you both said was just abysmal you know, it, was, it was just awful passing from a couple of individuals in particular uh, even ones who don't normally perform that badly and it's a worry really I, I didn't see the leadership on the pitch again was a bit of a worry I didn't see who was trying to change it and, and drive it um, you know, I saw a couple of individuals try and get forward and I thought Sergi for all his faults always tried to drive forward even though he probably made the wrong decision at the end of most of those but he did at least try and get us going I didn't really see the others they kept still passing square and backwards and I couldn't quite see who was going to drive us forward for that but we created the chances um, we didn't take them and we've got to start getting some of these worldies that people seem to keep getting against us we, we, we suckered that goal yet again, didn't we? We gave someone space just outside the area and there was just no one on him. I mean, you know, it was saying you have to strike the ball. And, you know, as we've established, the finishing at this level by, by, most, by most strikers is, is, is more clinical than yeah. it ever, ever has been. And, you know, unfortunately, it happens to be more pay. 
to to his credit, he did you know he didn't do any shit housing all night and he didn't celebrate the goal really, which you know I guess that proves that there is love between between us all still, which is a relief. Not the end of the world. Who cares really? I guess, but um, I, I didn't want to witness that myself uh, just after Christmas. I did. I didn't want to see one of my one of my heroes. Kind he, of he, he did dive over Mads Beck at one point and, and didn't he draw a yellow card? And, and that wasn't even a foul. I don't think. I'll give him that yeah. respect but I, I think you could, you could sum up the finishing you know he had a very similar chance for Brian where he tried to lob the goal yeah. you know, we think he was probably offside anyway but you know, he tried to lob the goal and <laughs> just kind of looped it up with Skywards and yeah. wide of the goal and then he got Troussard comes and <laughs> puts it in you know and then yeah. everyone has a look at the goal you think it was a great finish um, and that's it isn't it we keep getting these worldies against us again you know Brighton did it against us um, in the reverse fixture and we've got to start scoring some of those back um, we're not even really shooting from outside the box particularly I don't think I don't think we're even attempting to get that sort of goal anymore um, and, and that's a worry yeah I guess I guess that may be a that, that, that may be a training ground thing where they where they prefer to create by a I know this is sounding a bit technical and a bit weird but, but maybe maybe there is a period if they want to create higher XG chances but like you do score I mean the amount of goals that have been scored against us from outside the area this season have been quite high we've managed to keep teams down to creating good chances but they're scoring from average chances which I guess is pretty disconcerting I can't I can't seem to recall off the top of my head times where we've had the ball literally five yards outside the penalty area there's not been a defender standing in front of us and you know, the shot was all that was all that was on we seem to be better marked um, you know, well, like I think it was yourself that said it the other other, other week, Matt. Right? Why isn't it that our players get unmarked headers in, in the area? What, 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 we we seem to be, uh, you know, we seem to be giving those chances away um, where you know it's it's almost impossible for them not to score. Where where we're at, there's always there's always our players are marked. Yeah, I guess Wisa should have scored against Chelsea, and, and that was an example of where there was a player unmarked yeah, and, and yeah, he didn't yeah, score. And, and yeah, that's a good one. Against us, that's a goal, probably, isn't it? You know, yeah. And maybe that's where we're missing out. Jensen also had a header, didn't he, against Chelsea? Yeah. Unmarked, um, slightly better with it, but again, still didn't, didn't put it away. But you're right; no one seems to let us maraud through the middle, unchallenged, 30 yards, you know, with space and being asked to pick a corner by the goalie and obliging. You know, we don't, we don't seem to be doing that. And I, I thought, yeah, at the start of the season, what I think we all noticed, we, we seem much more capable of mixing things up. You know, we were playing good football, long football, short football. You know, we thought, wow, we've actually adapted. And changed, but we've, we've seemed to have gone back a little bit um, to you know the overpassing and the over creating and the you know the perfect goal carving out again. And we just need to start putting a few shots in. Really, is the, the saving grace, I guess, is a, a pick up in, in output in the second half. We we, cre- we did create chances. Um, if it hadn't have been for a bit of a lucky leg save from their goalie, then Baptiste would have got us a goal back. Then you know, 15, 20 minutes still to play. I guess it's a it's a different it's a different end to the game. That didn't happen. Is, was that was that the point where we weren't going to get anything out of this game when he when he saved with his legs? Yeah, I mean, maybe. So I was, I mean, that was kind of my point. I never thought we were out of it. I mean, even though we played poorly and we were two 0 down, I never really thought until the last five minutes that, we, that the game was a goner. 
if we could have scored it, which is why I find it quite, you know, quite an odd one to look back on. And uh, I think there was a distinct difference between the first and second half. In the first half, and I, and I had to look back and see this, because but this is the way I kind of saw it. Is that we in the first half, our pass completion rate was like, and I, and I know I'm going a bit into the stuff that we, we would do, but it was 62 percent, which means you, you were only making two passes before you gave the ball away. Do you know what I mean? It, meant, it means that two two out of every three passes are accurate. So the third pass isn't accurate and, and you're giving the ball back to Brighton. The second half, that went up to 80%. And I, I'm sorry, to, but, but this is this was the difference. And suddenly we had, This is the place yeah, to talk about. Yeah, OK, yeah. <laughs> but the second half went up to 80% and suddenly we look a much better team, but we're only two goals down. And, and you know, you've, you've almost sort of given the game away in the first half. Um, but there's passes that... You know, your intricate passes that don't always come off, and the ambitious ones. And Jensen gets some some stick, and some of it quite deserved, some of it not for his passes. But at least he's trying to do something special with these passes and something different. The aimless kicks out from Thompson at the back and Sorensen to some extent, where you're just hoofing it to their player, and you know you blame the goalie for the first goal, but the free kick that gave them the ball was was abysmal. Um, and that just kept happening time and time again. You were defending, winning the ball, and then bringing it forward, and there's 30, 40 yard passes straight to them. Not they weren't even near our players. It and wasn't a clever yeah. pass coming unstuck. It was just poor. And, then, and, and next time you moan when the centre backs pass it to each other, remember this game <laughs> because because this is the game where we punted it forwards into no man's land after time. Um, yeah, I mean Jensen is. I mean they, they literally had to take Jensen off, and people, you know, did he have a his, his pass completion rate was, was better than most um, albeit that he made some pretty bad passes I think in the attacking third but nevertheless he, he wasn't the one giving the ball away um, but we had to take him off because we didn't have the ball and if you haven't got the ball there's no point having Jensen on the pitch because he ain't going to win the ball back for you so so we literally had to withdraw probably our most creative midfield player because we couldn't stop and, and as a team not Jensen as a team we couldn't stop giving the ball away so if you can't if you keep giving the ball away Jensen's he, he might as well not be on the pitch because you haven't got the ball he ain't, he's, like I said he, he's not your tackler we know that he's not your enforcer um, and, um, and, and so we had to, he had to come off and we had to I guess we we started to find a bit more passing rhythm in the second half. Yeah, I mean, he normally has Yanel and or Norgard with him to give him that, and Yanel was obviously unavailable, and, and Norgard had probably one of his poorest games for Brentford, and the, the guy's allowed one because he's been a monster since he joined. Um, but that was unexpected, and I think in those circumstances, you know, Jensen was on a hiding to nothing because he didn't have any physical presence around him you know, he did actually make a couple of tackles you know, ironically the things he's criticised for he actually won the ball back a couple of times um, and, and hustled him but as you say that's not the game where he's going to shine and maybe, and maybe Pinnock playing on the wrong side of the back doesn't help the sort of you know passing around at the back to some extent either and second half I guess brought a few more positives was there, was there, was there, any, was there any sort of silver lining <laughs> no one wants to go first on that one um, I'm, I'm not sure there was a, a massive amount I mean I, I, we've got to start making teams worry about us again you know we know we're going to be a bit exposed at the back uh, you know in all games not just City up ahead but um, where we did used to make teams worry about us you, know, you couldn't throw everybody forward they didn't have to worry about defending in that first half we didn't have any threat you know we didn't really offer anything and they just put further and further forward and the, the number three who I, I like greatly the, you know, um, whose name I can't pronounce Cotterella um, you know he's the sort of player I'd love in our team I mean he's back defending he's forward he's in the area he's getting to the byline he's crossing back um, but he didn't have to worry about defending and, and what we're talking about him that incredible goal line clearance the header that you know would have could, would have, could have made it 2-2 if the first one goes in yeah 
um, was exceptional. Yeah, and, and, and I guess if you go back and you look at the you know the expected goals, I mean, ours were higher than Brighton, so we did create some chances. So it wasn't you know. And now the first half I thought was diabolical. I'll be honest, it was it was like playground. Football. Worse than Burnley away. Yeah, 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 way worse. I mean, it, again, and, and I've gone and looked at this just to make sure I saw what I saw was what happened. Burnley away first half. At least we had a our pass rate was seventy percent completion or something like that, or in the game maybe. I know. I think in the first half. Um, so it was way worse than Burnley. Maybe Brighton were better at pressing us. Maybe, maybe that comes into it. But but it was yeah. I believe it was worse than Burnley. Can I ask a question? Simpl- I mean, it's, it's an over simple question. Why? What? Why? Why? Why are we? Why were we so off it, Dutch? That first half. What? 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 what are any any mitigating circumstances? What I don't get is when you start well. I mean, I get sometimes the Burnley one was interesting because they blitzed us from the start and we never got going and we were two, three, and it could have been four down with a disallowed goal before we even realised it. You know, where I struggle, and I can't really answer your question, what I struggle with games like Brighton where we started really brightly. You know, we actually put together, we looked like we were going to score, we had a couple of chances, um, and we looked really dangerous. And we're, you know, watching it and thinking, this is good, you know, we're going to get something out of this game. And that's the bit I don't understand how you suddenly, I, mean, I guess, confidence to a point. But we haven't had that many confidence sapping results, I don't think, yet. You know, we've had a couple of disappointing ones, but we haven't really, you know, we won the Watford game quite recently. Um, you know, Chelsea doesn't really count. And I, I, the confidence shouldn't be low, it should be high. And I, I didn't, I don't, can't answer that question. I don't know why we dropped away so quickly in that game. Maybe tactically we made a decision to actually pass quick, move forwards, pass quick, move forwards, and we just weren't very good at it. And maybe that was because we didn't really. We didn't take time. I felt to compose ourselves. It was, it was. I've said playground football enough times, but it was. It was like kick, run, kick. Oh, it's, oh, we've given it away. Oh, they've given it away. Oh, we've given it away. Oh, they've given. You know, and, and they sort of worked their way into the game, and we just seemed to carry on on the same. So, I, I, is that a mitigating circumstance? I don't know, but it seemed that. That, that, that maybe that was what we were trying to do. I don't know. Maybe they seem to, you know, lose confidence in a couple of players there. I mean, there was a, I think, Thompson. I'm afraid didn't seem to have the confidence of his teammates. You know, he didn't want to give him the ball because he kept giving it away. I and mean, again, first ten minutes, he actually made a couple of good tackles and, you know, set um, a couple of passes down the left wing that I thought you know, he might be all right. But his confidence went, and then the team seemed to lose confidence in him a bit. Um, and the forwards, you know, Tony got frustrated because the ball wasn't reaching him. Uh, and he does what he does when he's frustrated. He sort of comes back deeper and tries to get it and create a bit of mischief to you know to make things happen. Um, and yeah, as I back back to the earlier point, I didn't quite see who was leading the change for us and who was going to turn it around. And it was, seemed to be sort of you know, a bunch of individuals rather than collectively, which is which is not what we're good at. You know, we're we're, we're proud we're proud of our teamwork and and the spirit. That's what yeah, drives I, us on. I, I think you know I, I was hoping we owe we owe Brighton. You know, for what I thought was a, you know, not unjust, yeah, it was an unjust victory at our, at our grounds early in, earlier in the season. Um, it was a one 0 defeat, and I thought we deserved something out of that. And I thought we'd go down there and, and kind of set the record straight, um, and we didn't. So we we um, we had a first double against us this season. There probably will be a few, and I know you uh, JB will talk about that in his list, in his facts, in his funk section that will be coming up shortly. Um, the reason I will say the reason there was no 
punters after the game was uh, Billy did start it, but the ground just emptied immediately, and we were trying to work out how where to meet the cab that we had booked to go back to uh, the pub where we were going to record the post-match pod. And then the pub decided it was a Sunday, which it always was, but instead of it being a one o'clock finish, she said it was a ten thirty finish. So we had nowhere to go. Um, so basically, it was decided that. You can't make a purse out of a pig's ear, so we decided to not do it, which was, I think, was a good shout, and we can talk about it today. So, um, at least we've not got anything di- difficult coming up. You know, it's not as if we've, um, it's not as if we've not got, you know, the world champions uh, elect coming up uh, on uh, tomorrow night. Leeds again? Yeah, Leeds. Leeds, Leeds again tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> smart, <yeah. laughs> so I'm going to have a cough. Um, we're going to have a twang, and then we're going to come back. And we're going to move right on from this Brighton match. So before we actually move on to us talking about Man City, let's have a chat with Jonathan Burchill. You know JB, he's got a book out at the moment, um, if you're interested. Lots of facts, not so much funk in it, but you know, I'm sure, sure for volume two he ought to, do, um, to make it, he can funk it right up. But let's, let's go over to JB and listen to his facts and funk for the Boxing Day game and a visit of Manchester City. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Who? JB. And he's ready to stock it to you one time. Uh, get it! Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. A very quick glance back to Boxing Day. It did see something we've not been used to. A team doing the double over us. We didn't have one at all last season. So it's back to 2019-20 when Nottingham Forest beat us 1-0 home and away. For our next game, we will be without both Janelt and Lorgard in our starting lineup. At least one of them has played in every league game since January. The last time neither started was when we had the nine-goal thriller with Wickham, which of course we won 7-2. Manchester City visited us for three of our top-flight seasons in the 1930s, which saw us record a 0-0 draw, a 2-1 win. But in their other visit to Griffin Park, they unfortunately became the only team to score six past us at home in the top tier. A City went on to win the First Division Championship. The 6-2 defeat in April 1937 saw us at a disadvantage when we went down to ten men early in the second half. With no substitutes in those days, we had to play on without the injured George Poyser, a regular left-back. Manchester City is a game where we need magic, we've said that. We haven't got magic, it doesn't exist apparently. So, we have to pick a team to face Pep and his magicians, they are physical magicians, against a rag-tag Brentford outfit. We are missing Norgard as well, he announced out Covid, we, we have got a team, we have got a team, but we've got a good team that could play Man City, but none of them are available. What the hell are we going to do? What's Thomas Frank sitting there? Is Thomas Frank seriously worried about what could happen tomorrow? Is he as worried as we are? He seems like, a, he seems like an inherently positive man, um, and, you know, I, I, but I'd be very surprised if he wasn't worried, and to be honest... There are days when the team picks itself, and there are days where you've got to make some big decisions to pick your eleven. And um, tomorrow is well, he's probably already picked them, but but it is time to make some massive decisions. There are some very big holes that need to be filled, um, and you can almost start uh, who's going to play. You know, 
left. So, well, first of all, you got to work out you're going to play the same system. You're going to play three at the back. I mean, should I, should you, I just run through who's not available? Yeah, so right, anyone, yeah, that's, yeah. anyone that's yeah. kind of confused, which yeah. we are, yeah. who, who is and who isn't available tomorrow. It's just a team of people. This, not well, available. There is a there is a pretty much an eleven. Um, it's a ten, really. So obviously, David Raya, long-term injury, not playing tomorrow. Uh, Mads Rosliff not available. Maybe available, but not ninety minutes. Can't do ninety minutes. Uh, Ayer not available. Zanka not available. Henry, we're hearing, is probably not going to play. Um, Norgard suspended. Uh, Josh De Silva long-term injury. Not that he was ever in contention, but still one of our players. It's not available. Yanel not available. Brian and Bumo probably not available. Again, hamstring issue. Um, um, who else we've got? Fosu not available. There, there's there's a lot of players there um, that could come in and do a job. The, some of them aren't first eleven. You probably weren't not first names on the team sheet. But there's players there that we would trust to, to, to come in and deputise. Um, luckily, we have got Ivan Tony back. Do we, but do we play him up front or do we play him at the back? <laughs> I think some of those players might have to play even if they are injured because we've got to try and get 11 out there. Listen, you, you can imagine Pep trying to do his research and get videos of the potential team on Wednesday. And just, I've never seen any of these players play. They've never played. Who are they? Um, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? I, mean, I, I guess the... The good news about the game really is we weren't expecting much out of this one anyway, and we we're always thinking this would be the, you know, one of the most difficult. So, show up. Maybe just things are so loaded against us. It might be one of those games that turns out slightly different than we think. Um, but it's, you know, as you said earlier, anyway, we're taking them on as equals. We should be proud of that. Um, it's the sort of game that we wanted to be playing. Um, just wouldn't have chosen to do it probably with a team of about twelve to choose from. But I think it's important to start getting people playing in the right positions. I think we're doing too much shuffling, uh, you know, and ending up with people out of position as well as the injuries. Um, and it might be time to take a chance on one or two specific positions and put the specialists in if they're available um, and put others back into their more natural positions. So, um, so, 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 do a, so just to flip that list that I've just rang out, rang out, read out. So we probably have got Alvaro Fernandez, maybe Roslev, Pontus seems to be fit, Pinnock seems to be fit. Mads Beck Sorensen seems to be fit Canos seems to be fit Baptiste seems to be fit Onyeka, Godos, Wisa, Tony Don't know what we do on the bench if I'm honest with you um, you know, I, I know that Thomas Frank's one of the managers or the head coaches at the moment. He's asking for the ability to have five subs, so the ability to have five players to come on. Uh, more worried about having to take five players off. So, can, can we just not play with sixteen? We, we, we need we need some help. But you know, I mean, I mean Jen, we we can't, we can't, Jensen's fit as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So someone, someone's left out Jensen out of spite. Yeah, um, so I mean, but, but again, is it? You would assume against Man City, you're not going to have the ball very much. Um, so, so Jensen probably isn't a player that you would automatically pick for this game because when you haven't got the ball, like we've said all along, he's not going to win it back for you. So, so yeah, he, he probably isn't going to play in that, and that maybe is sort of your 
maybe that is your 11 and you just have to work out how you plug them in so so how, how do we plug them in well i guess <laughs> I, I, I guess you decide whether you're playing three at the back or four at the back or and, 10 at the back or 10 at the back you probably end up playing 10 <laughs> at the back of course um but you could you know pontus pinnock mads beck maybe it seems a bit odd with pinnock playing on the right but maybe they're your back three if Roslev's fit he could start a right wing back but he can't we know he can't go 90 minutes so you've got to plug that gap at some point um, so you know maybe Finn Stevens has to come on for him maybe I can't, I can't see a lot of overlapping tomorrow um, can you I, no true no, no, no that is true and then and then and then we're saying if we're saying you know does that mean Canos moves to the left or do you play Dom Thompson on the left um, you know that there's that decision to make could you push Canos up further um are we, sorry, so, are we going to get out, out of our half at any stage well, tomorrow? Yeah, so maybe you just get, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm, I've looked at how teams line up against Man City, um, teams in our position. I mean, you know, like West Brom last year, Fulham last year, and you know, it, it's a hellish task. You know, it's a, it's a fixture you want to get out of the way. You want to come out as unscathed as you possibly can. At the moment, I'm thinking our goal difference isn't stinky. It's minus three. It's not awful when you're compared to some of the teams, you know, that are below us or near to us or some of them that are above us. You know, you wanna you wanna come out of this in with my head at the moment. If we can come out less than five goals negative then I think there's some sort of success you know obviously in my in my heart I'm thinking we can do we can work out some Christmas miracle tomorrow I'm a realist you know um, and I'm honest so I, I don't I don't see it going any other way apart from probably our record defeat this season um, and uh, and a record defeat for our new stadium on the on the flip side is as I said to you in the intro you know, uh, uh, one minute before kickoff, we are equals in this in the same division with Manchester City. Something I never thought I'd see in my in my in my lifetime. Um, if no one bought me any virtual reality glasses from for my Christmas presents, so I can't even wear them during the 90 minutes tomorrow and pretend on there, but be watching some other uh, some other semblance of reality. I've got to actually watch it with my own eyes and be a big boy and take whatever comes my way tomorrow and, and not leave before the end of the game. Not leave because you know maybe tomorrow's the tea, the day the evening we all just get behind the team yeah, no matter what and ce- celebrate being in the prem and, yeah. I, and I and I think we win lose you know. Just, just get behind it. Let's have, let's have some gallows, not gallows mentality. Let's not, don't want to hear any negativity tomorrow if I can help it. But you know, let's have a proper sing song and get behind the boys. I, 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 I really, I, I firmly believe Thomas Frank isn't thinking this way. The more I think about it, because when we've gone into all the games this season against Liverpool, um, against Arsenal, we haven't, we haven't gone out. We, we've not set up to try and draw a game so far this season. We've set up to win every no, game. So I, I, so, so I'm just thinking this through. No, you know, yeah. you asked the question at yeah, the beginning. No, um, I, I don't think Thomas Frank is thinking this way. I think he's trying to work out how to get something out of this game. For I think sure. we have to. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't think we can defend well enough. So yeah. we, know, we know that. So there is no point. I think. What, what, I, I agree. I think the fans have got a big part to play tomorrow. Whatever happens, uh, and I think they will actually. I, I can see that happening. I think it would be nice to get ninety minutes out of a couple of the players that have started as subs. But when you know, I'm talking Godos. Um, we said to some extent, you know, that have come on and had nice twenty-minute cameos, and then you pick them for ninety minutes, and they haven't really shone. It's time for for those potentially to step up. And if everyone plays, you know, shocks happen all the time. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I was more worried about the game actually before all the injuries because I, th- I thought it was a difficult game anyway. Um, this has actually made me slightly 
approach it in a different way, I think. Oh, it's, it's, maybe it's time for us to get the Jamuang game off the backsides or the 30 yarders screaming in and our goalie saving with the head. And, Look, mate, anything's possible. It's football. We, we, know, we know anything is possible. We, you know, it, it, it is. It's unlikely. I'm just, I'm just being honest. From, you know, I, when I walk into the stadium tomorrow, I'm, I'm not going to be you know, all doom. I'm, I'm going in there and I will sing my eye out for them and I will, I will be getting behind, behind the team. And I, and I agree with you, Matt. I don't think Thomas Frank and the players will be having the same conversation as we are I expect them to be going out there and, and plotting to unpick you know it, it, it's, it's for them to do it's the game of their lives some of them and they'll want to go out and do themselves justice it's going to be really I, I think one of the interesting things Thomas Frank has got to decide is whether he's going to reshuffle the pack and put you know square pegs in round holes or round pegs in square holes or whether he is going to say right okay I've got say Finn Stevens that can play on the right yeah, I've got Mads Bistrup that can play in a more defensive approach to a midfield than say a Jensen or whatever is he going to make those decisions or is it going to be I don't know Godos as, as a wing back or, or Godos trying to fit into a midfield you know that, they're the decisions they're the real decisions I think Thomas Frank's got to make and and ideally probably against Man City isn't the game you want to throw these kids in but 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 maybe you throw one of them in. Yeah, well, and we, we're going to have to because I mean, wh- whether the injury situation improves or worsens tomorrow night, we'll, we'll see. But we have got a game against Aston Villa on Sunday, um, on, on the second of uh, January, twenty twenty-two. Um, that is arguably more winnable than you know. I, I just hope that we're in a stronger position when that fixture comes around. And and, and so there, you know, you say Roslev could be back tomorrow, and Bumo unlikely. Is it worth taking a risk on those two players, or do you just say even if you maybe be able to get sixty minutes out of Roslev or fifteen minutes out of Bumo? Um, do you just say, look, you know what? Let's just let let's take them out of the firing line. They can play against Villa, where where we can have them. You know, potentially play another ten or fifteen minutes than than what we think they can play against Man City, and sort of make some big decisions and maybe throw one of the kids in somewhere. And the, and the thing is, as well, line. I mean, the positive thing is Thomas Frank. You know, he's respected by every every player in that squad, um, and he, he's a, it's a it's a night that he can put his arm around some of the fringe players or some of the young players and say, look, I I fully believe in you. Go out there and have a, have a game of your life, and you know, hopefully, it's a it's a springboard for some of the fringe players. You know, getting an opportunity. Some sometimes the unexpected happens through an adverse situation, and tomorrow is. You know, we we, we talked about how we've stepped up in the Arsenal game and the first Chelsea match where we lost one nil, um, and then obviously the Liverpool three all draw. We we had a bigger fuller squad mm. to pick from, yeah. so t- tonight is different. You know, God knows what is going to happen on Wednesday, as I said. But we, we go out there and we go toe to toe with one of the best teams in the world. Someone who does know what the hell to expect tomorrow is Dave Mooney from the Blue Moon Podcast. Hi guys, it's David Mooney here from the Blue Moon Podcast, all about Manchester City. You can find us in all the usual places, just search Blue Moon Podcast in all your podcast apps or whatever, and you will come across us. Um, yeah, we've been going on now nearly 10 years, well, over 10 years actually, it's, uh, it's a little bit longer than 10 years. We started in 2009, so it was the uh, Mark Hughes to Roberto Mancini season. 
Um, and we've done all sorts on the podcast down the years as well. We did an episode uh, a couple of years ago for the 20th anniversary of the 1999 Division 2 playoff final. That was when City were 2-0 down in uh, 90 minutes and uh, scored in, in stoppage time, take it to extra time, one on penalties and uh, one promotion from the third tier. Uh, that was against Gillingham all those years ago in 99. I spoke to all of the team for that that played in that game. It's, it's uh, It was good fun, so uh, go and check that out if you want to. Um, and that is that's kind of where my my base of growing up following City was. I used to go to Main Road. I used to have a season ticket in the North Stand at Main Road, um, and I think it was it was the first six seasons I think where I was uh, I was going to City where they went up or down at the end of the season. There was no stability there at all. Um, that was the old City. It's it, it's obviously changed a lot since then. Um, but it, it's kind of it's kind of changed at both a steady and really really quick pace. You think of the changes that City have gone through. When I started, uh, they were they were in the Premier League uh, just about. I didn't have a season ticket then, but I was I was going to uh, to quite a few games. Um, they they had Alan Ball as manager. They they lost I think nine of the first ten games of the ninety five ninety six season. Finished bottom uh, or, or started bottom of the Premier League. Finished up uh, being relegated on goal difference on the final day. Uh, that was comical as well. That was that was the City team that uh, wasted time by the corner flag, thinking that a two-all draw with Liverpool was good enough to stay up, and it wasn't. It took them down. So um, that's that, that's kind of my experience of uh, of what City is like. Um, so that's where it started. It then went all the way through the nineties of uh, of going down again to the third tier, and, and like I say, with the Gillingham game, uh, rescuing promotion at the, right at the death of the season. Um, getting up and then getting up again back to the Premier League at Blackburn in 2000. So th- those are the sorts of uh, sorts of games that I was uh, that I was built on. I was built on going to Main Road and and, and sensing disappointment from the off. Um, and then the Etihad comes along. Well, it was it, it was the City of Manchester Stadium at the time in in 2003. It was a weird weird move because it it, it felt like City were progressing and then on the pitch they they nearly went down that season. They only stayed up I think because uh, because Leeds's goal difference that year was was incredibly bad and then on the final day they beat Everton and Leeds lost and that was that that was the difference. Um they then had a, a little bit of a time in the wilderness where they were just they were if 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 anybody listening to this thinks that the current Manchester City side is boring with the way they play football, let me tell you the Stuart Pearce era was boring as hell. Um, there was there was a season where they scored ten goals at home all season. They they went from January the first two thousand and seven to the end of that season without finding the net in uh, in the Premier League, and it was just a bore. Sven Goran Eriksson arrives. Taxin Sinawatra takes over with uh, with the promise of all this money. So that season then ends with with Taxin Sinawatra on the run. Um, a whole raft of human rights allegations against him. Uh, Sven Goran Eriksson sacked because the, uh, the the season didn't turn out as well as it could have done when they finished eighth or something like that in the Premier League. So it was really up and down. It finished with an eight one defeat at Middlesbrough as well. So it was really really up and down. Um, and then the big money came in with uh, with the owners from Abu Dhabi. And uh, yeah, you know the rest of, uh, of of how City got to where they are now. Um, so that City side that uh, that last met Brentford back in back in the nineties. I think it was an FA Cup tie, an FA Cup replay that City won in the end. Uh, I think it was one nil at uh, at Brentford. Uh, was it Griffin Park? I can't remember. Um, but I think Nicky Summerby scored the uh, scored the only goal that game. That was that that was a time that, if I'm honest, I don't really remember. Um, the, the time when I can remember properly all of City's games starts around about uh, 98, 99, that third tier season. So this was a, this was a, probably the season before it, the last time we met. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's kind of been a, a bit of a roller coaster since. 
Um, you look at this season, and there's been anything but a roller coaster. I think City have been pretty steady all the way through it. The it, it got off to a bad start. They lost against Leicester in the Community Shield. They uh, then lost against Spurs in the opening day of the season. Um, but there were, there were signs that things were go- were going to carry on from the end of last season, as uh, as how City had finished last season. The bumps in the road were were Southampton at home and and Crystal Palace at at, at the Etihad as well. Who um, uh, Southampton got a point, Palace uh, took all three, and both deserved their 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 results. If anything, Southampton probably deserved to beat us that day as well, um, but didn't didn't quite get the uh, get the goal that they needed. So there's been there's been moments where this season has looked a little bit dodgy, but since the international break, since City came back and 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 played uh, United at Old Trafford and, and and basically played them off the park that day. Um, they haven't looked back. Now, what makes this tie a little bit interesting when it comes to uh, to the, what's going to happen at Brentford, it, it all depends on who's available. We saw on Boxing Day how, how Leicester... I mean, let me give you a stat to start with here. Um, going into the game against Leicester, City hadn't conceded a, uh, a chance, let alone a goal, a chance on the counter-attack in 14 Premier League games. Uh, Leicester come along, and when Rodri isn't in the holding midfield position... Um, Leicester come along and they score three goals on the counter-attack. So it just shows you the, the, the difference in quality there now between Fernandinho, who is uh, it's probably about 36. He's getting on a bit in, in, in that sense. Um, once a great holding midfielder, not quite up to what City want anymore, especially against teams that are going to break quickly. Whereas Rodri is the sort of player that, uh, that can stop those counter-attacks. Now, City got lucky a little bit against Leicester in that sense. They were they, they, they finished their chances, and that's a weird. It's a criticism that City have had this season, that December aside, City don't tend to finish their chances. They tend to create a lot and miss a lot. Um, but through December, they've been, they've been one of the league's top scorers. So it's all been going well in the last few months. The problem that City might have with, uh, with Brentford this midweek is... It seems like Rodri is not going to be available. It seems like John Stones is not going to be available. It seems like Kyle Walker is not going to be available. Now, nobody, I appreciate nobody is listening to this and getting the little violins out and going, "Oh, poor, poor old City. They, uh, they, they haven't got the, uh, they haven't got the players." But they're three key players, and as good as João Cancelo's been, as good as as Fernandinho has been in the past. Um, Cancelo can only play one side. He's been really good at left back. He's going to have to play right back if Walker's still not available. Um, Zinchenko is a little bit of a weak link on the left hand side if he if he has to come in instead. Um, and then, as we said, the legs of, of Fernandinho are not what they once were. So if you play quickly through the middle, you could cause City a lot of problems. The bonus that City have got is uh, they've been able to to uh, discipline Jack Grealish and uh, Phil Foden for. Effectively, they went out. Uh, they went out drinking after beating Leeds seven nil at the Etihad, and Guardiola didn't like it in the run up to the uh, in the run up to the Christmas season. So what he did was he benched them, and uh, he's put in Mares and Sterling. Mares has uh, he got a couple of goals. Against, he got one goal from the penalty spot against Leicester. Um, I think he scored against Newcastle the uh, the week before as well. I can't quite remember. Um, and Sterling has been very very quietly back on fire again recently. He's been he's he's scored something like five goals in four games now, and it's been. He's had a frustrating 18 months uh, where it's only really his England performances that have been good. His City performances haven't been that great. But in the last kind of six, eight weeks or so, certainly said that the, the turning point was probably the the, uh, the game that uh, City beat Bruges at the, at the Etihad in the Champions League. He came off the bench, he played really well off the bench and he scored. And it seemed to be the spark that that, that, that kicked him into life. That game against Leicester, he scored a, a cracking penalty in a, in a City team that's been struggling to convert penalties at times. Um, and he he scored 
the final goal of the game, which was very fortuitous, Ruben Diaz completely missed his header and um, and it dropped straight to Sterling's feet in the box. Six weeks ago, that would have bounced off him or it would have bounced off him over the bar or it would have landed straight to, to Kasper Michael's hands. The ominous thing for teams now is that they're falling to Sterling's feet and he's putting them in the net. So things seem to be going going well for him again, which is which is a real good thing for City fans. It's been the attack that's been that's been able to bail City out of uh, of that game against Leicester. They've been they've started to score goals as I said earlier on. The defense though generally is pretty good. Um, I think it was the stat that I saw from uh, Duncan Alexander at Opta earlier this week was uh, that Leicester their three goals at the Etihad were twenty five percent of the Premier League goals that City have conceded this season. Um, and City still were able to win the game by three clear goals. So that that just shows how much City have been reliant in that game on uh, on the attacking players. So it's it, it will be a really interesting tie. I am very, very nervous about Brentford. I'm nervous about going away to a team where the fans will be right behind them, the atmosphere will be will be difficult for City to play in. If City don't have Rodri and they can't stop those those counter-attacks and they can't control the ball as easily as as they will want to, it could 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 be a very difficult afternoon for them. Um, and that brings me on to Brentford. You look at how Brentford have started this season. OK, a couple of disappointing results recently, but I, I watched the game against Liverpool and I was sitting there watching that game thinking, I do not fancy going to this ground. I don't fancy playing this team. They 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 look like they will cause problems. Um we don't know what state the the Brentford squad is in after after the covid outbreak and the injuries that you've suffered that could that could obviously play into city's hands uh, Ivan Tony whether he's going to be back and and available a, a friend of mine described him um uh, in the the good old traditional way lovely feet for a big man because he's 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 brilliant in the air but he's probably underrated with the footwork that he's got and the the, the work he can do with his feet um again city don't have john stones uh, so if you know if it's if it's Laporte and Diaz again um, Diaz, I think he's one yellow card away from a suspension, so he was he was not exactly throwing himself into challenges against Leicester. So it could be could be really interesting to see how this one goes. Um, one of the questions that uh, that you've asked me as well is, uh, is is whether Guardiola is City's best ever manager. Uh, it's difficult to say that he's not. It re- it's as simple as that. I'm not old enough to remember the uh, the Joe Mercer Malcolm Allison era. Uh, a lot of City fans who talk about that talk about the brilliant football that they played. Um, but City were just never, ever, ever this dominant. The only manager that might give him a run for his money is the job that Roberto Mancini had on his hands when he took charge of City. He had to he had to root out a, a kind of a losing mentality at City uh, that Guardiola didn't have to do. But what Guardiola did have to do was turn an aged squad into you know a younger squad that could get the ball down and play it in his manner. And boy, has he done that! Um, it's it, it's been some of the best football to, to to watch and certainly some of the best football that I've ever enjoyed as a City fan. I don't think it will ever get better than this um, and I don't think it's... I think when Guardiola leaves, it's almost certainly going to be worse. I don't see how anybody can come in and do the job that he's done. Um, so for me, quite easily, he is uh, he's, he's City's best ever manager. When it comes to, to how City will play in this game... I've got absolutely no idea. I can't tell you. I am very sorry that that's not the answer you want, and you want a bit of insight into City. Um, but we've been we've been really really lucky with the with the COVID cases that that we've got at the club. Um, from speaking to uh, one of my one of my colleagues on the Athletic podcast, Why Always Us, uh, he he speaks to the play, the people around the players. Uh, it seems that the vaccination rate at City is pretty good. 
um, and that means that uh, that they've that they've done pretty well in keeping the uh, keeping the, the spread of COVID down. They've not got too many injuries. I think there's only Ferran Torres who is uh, who's out injured, and he's likely to be uh, to be leaving in the in the uh, January window anyway. Um, beyond that, it's uh, it's Rodri Stones and um, and Walker who may not be available. We'll find out again a, a bit closer to the game, I guess. Um, for for players to keep an eye on, um, it's. It, there's no surprises really if you've if you've seen much of City you know who it is right now right now it's Raheem Sterling he's playing well again um if Phil Foden comes back in he's the one that that, that I I will sing praises about from from any opportunity that I get um he is he's an he's he's a fantastic player and uh, and, and and such a great player for for England in the future as well um and again if 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 City can get Rodri fit and he can play then he will be the key for City I think in this game uh, that's the one that uh, that I'm worried most about not being there. Um, so when it comes to the game, I, I expect you to give us a real, real tough game. I'm hoping that your injury problems and your your recent COVID problems have put you under un, under so much pressure that it means that uh, that 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 City are able to take advantage. Um, I I think if City are going to win, though, it'll be very tight. My score prediction would be hmm, let's go two one City, but but a very very tight game. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, gonna go two one city. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget you can check out Blue Moon Podcast. Um, just search Blue Moon Podcast everywhere. We're also on bluemoonpodcast.com. Check it out. See you soon. Thanks very much to Dave Mooney. Um, always, always welcome the opposition fans onto this podcast. Everyone's always welcome. Uh, something else I thought was was welcome last night. I watched the end of the Newcastle Man United coverage, and at the end of it, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher they were they talked through their their high points of uh, 2021. Um, the it's almost like a half season report. Um, the players and the team, and they they, they, they gave Christian Norgard the props for having um, the most tackles in, in the Premiership so far this season. Shows you he's putting a shift in every week. But the thing that put a big smile on my face was the shortlist for the moment of 2021, and um, Jamie Carragher voted that Brentford's 2-0 win over Arsenal on the opening day of the Premiership season, that magical Friday night. Magic's been mentioned quite a lot tonight, but um, it was it was the, it was fans back in the stadium and the special atmosphere at our new stadium. Um, and credit with credit's due, he could have picked lots of stuff, and um, it's clear that the pair of them are enjoying the Brentford adventure this year. Uh, it's, it's great to see that feature they did with Billy in the bus stop before the uh, Watford game recently and um, it was great to have them down and, I, and, I, and I'm glad that they are big ambassadors for what's going on um, in, in TWA so yeah, Brentford versus uh, Arsenal the 2-0 win was Jamie Carragher's moment so far, well not so far of 2021, so yeah I, I, I'd agree with that um, and I, I guess we need to channel some of that tomorrow night, don't we? We do. We need to channel channel that incredible, incredible night. Yeah, no, it'll be tonight. I tonight, think, tonight, tonight yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I might, I might, it might be tomorrow night. We'll see. <laughs> see if I fancy editing this. <laughs> see, see, see what see what's going to cock up the the recordings be. Anyway, so yeah, no. Um, so yeah, thanks to Dave for giving the slowdown on what's happening up at the Etihad. Um, obviously, he's got a, a, a very very positive outlook, and and why wouldn't he? Is, is that his real name? Billy from the Blue Moon podcast? Is that is Yeah, oh, let's say it is. Okay. Yeah. It's as real as Billy the Bee. <laughs> yeah. And the Dutchman. Yeah. If it's not, if it's not, then that's, that's fine by me. 
look, let's 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 knock this on the head because you know we we we've been. I say I've been realistic and I've been a bit negative. You two have been positive and you you have got the anything is possible vibe going on. Let's let's put your money where your mouth is, Dutch. Give us a prediction of a score. Ooh, that's a hard one this time around, isn't it? I, I was going to add in, I just say, if we beat Aston Villa, it doesn't matter what the score is against Man City. Yeah. You know, three points out of those two games will be a fantastic return for us. Um, and really, whatever that is, I, yeah, I thought we were going to get. Villa, I know. I'm just trying to avoid <laughs> saying a number because I don't think I've ever in my history been on the pod predicted a loss. Um, oh, God, one nil Brentford! Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm much the same in that but you know and and sometimes you 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 take a hard decision because you sort of think we're not playing very well but we're not we're not playing very well and they are very very good Um, so um, I am going to say I am going to you know honestly say I think it would be 3-1 to Man City but we may sort of have a good 20-30 minutes where we're in the game and um, and then you know that, that that's yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's a realistic. What I really want us to do is win one nil, obviously, or nil nil, or one all, or whatever. Oh, no, but, I I just, but, but you're asking me for a realistic yeah, okay. appraisal. Yeah. All right, and for me, I'll, 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 I'll stay consistent. I'll, I'll go, I'll go six one Man City, and you know, it pains me to say it, but you know, that's 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 if I if I was a betting man, which I am occasionally, and, I, and I'll never bet against Brentford. That's, that's what I'm thinking but wh- whatever um, as, a, as we said earlier I think the, the positive that we can all we can all guarantee what we can all produce tomorrow is really good support for the team um, we're, we're rounding off what has been an incredible year 2021 has been the, the year of years in our lifetime it's a, it's a year that we, we may not see happen again we may never get relegated from the from the Premier League so to see us promoted back into it may never happen but I, I have to say whatever happens tomorrow I, it's, it's my opportunity to thank this squad of players this team of players uh, Thomas Frank who against some knockers and some, some adversity hasn't all gone his way but the belief that he shows the, the skill, the, the nurturing, the coaching now, the ability to come up to this level and give it a right go is something that we always hoped we'd see. So I'm going to I'm going to thank the team tomorrow in the only way I can. And, and I think that's really important tomorrow is that uh, is that opportunity to do that to to recognise we're playing a very very good side. It's almost like. Maybe we need to approach your supporters a bit like an FA Cup game, you know, when you're playing against a team that you know, you know, are very, very good. And I know we're in the same league and we should be on an equal footing, but the reality is tomorrow, we, tomorrow we won't be. Apart from the fact that it's eleven v eleven, that, that is a fact. Um, and, and we need to sort of, you know, get that sort of cup vibe going where we just get behind the team and we support the team. Almost, you know, to some extent, just say thank you to the team for everything they've done this year. It's the last game of the year. Let's let's go out. As supporters in style, couldn't agree more. Um, please, it's eleven v eleven because I was worried we wouldn't get eleven uh, from <laughs> that chat earlier. So that's a start, isn't it? One hundred percent. Let's get behind it. It's been an amazing 
you know year in terms of going up and the start in the Premier League. You know, we're in a position with 20 points. We're not sitting there with 10 points at the bottom with a goal difference of minus 750 or whatever it is that, that Norwich have got. Um, you know, we're in a good position. Um, there's games that we need to win uh, and games that we'd like to win, and there's games like tomorrow where you know people use the word free hit, which I'm not a massive fan of, but it's it's, it's a game against a good team. We'll give it a shot and. We're in a great position. It's been a fantastic year, thanks to everybody and the fans. You know, the fans have changed and adapted to a new stadium and uh, a new league, and you know, getting used to not winning every game at home, which we're getting quite accustomed to over the last couple of years. You know, we've been successful for the last few seasons and winning more games than we've lost, and it's a bit of a change this year for, for some, particularly the newer ones. Um, but it's going to be great, and I'm sure 2022 will carry on the same way and the start of our adventure in the Premier League for many years to come. Yep, so I'm going to finish off. We're not going to have a big come on your bees tonight. What we're going to do together, let's raise our glasses. Thank you, Brentford Football Club, for what's been a brilliant year. Cheers, cheers, cheers all. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Thank cheers. you all for listening. Thank you all for buying us a beer, the ones that go on to Besotted forward slash beer. If you haven't done that yet, then beer is always accepted. Um, but no, thank you for listening. Thank you for all those that come up to us me and Billy during during the, uh, the, the times in the stadiums up and down the country um, shake our hands and, and thank us for the, doing the pod um, it, it means a lot we don't do it for pats on the back we do it because we love doing it we wouldn't do it if we didn't thank you to all the contributors the Dutchman the Allard everyone that's on the Besotted regular crew thank you all for making 2021 such an enjoyable year as Dutchman said let's make 22 hopefully Half, if it's half as good as 2021 is, I'll be a happy bee. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. <laughs>